When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 137, and we are recording on Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you? I know you've been <laughs> in the hurricane capital of the world. How, how, how are you hanging in there? <laughs> It feels like it. Uh, yeah, we were down in Amelia Island, which is just off Jacksonville, and we were evacuated home to the low country near Hilton Head, which is where it swung around. It was supposed to hit again. So it's been quite the week for sure. Uh, <laughs> I uh, cooked all the protein in my freezer in case the power went out. And so now my spouse oh, has man. chicken for days. And um, yeah, we're just recovering after that. And, um, you know, our hearts grow out to especially Florida, which was hit so hard. So um, yeah, I will I will include some links in the show notes for some places that you can support if you like. Um, but there are plenty of libraries and schools that will need book donations. So keep your eyes out for those. But I'm very privileged to like still be here with power. So yeah, but uh, yeah, glad we made it out okay. And you know, the worst we got was some power outage stuff. Yeah, I, and as soon when you said cooking all the protein in the freezer, I'm like, I would never think to do that. That is, I'm like, that is so smart and so essential. Yeah, I mean, protein also so expensive right now. Yes. I was like, I'm gonna cook it all, and at least it'll keep longer if it's cooked and yeah. in the fridge, and then we, you know, we can just eat off of it when the power's out. So I made also like rice and lentils and things that tasted okay cold, or room temp and. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sitting here just kind of marveling at the level <laughs> of planning that kind of has to go into that. And I'm just I'm making a note to self. I'm not going to be living anywhere in hurricane country. <laughs> I mean, we get power outages in the Midwest. I mean, we get our fair share of nasty storms and tornadoes. But yeah, wow, that didn't never even cross my mind. I'm going to have to make a note of that for next summer when uh, the tornadoes start running through here again. Yeah. Yeah, and make sure to put water in your tub at the very least so you can flush your toilets. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that is that's a good idea. We've never been without power for long enough to where that was really an issue, thankfully. But I I remember probably about 10 years ago in the Midwest there was like you mentioned anyone who lives in the Chicago area and you mentioned like the storm from like 10 years ago and people are like, oh yeah, that storm. Like I remember after it passed through, there was a tree in my neighborhood just a couple of blocks away. I mean, this had to have been like a 60, 70 foot oak tree and it was just completely upended and knocked over. Like the ball of roots was exposed and this giant tree was knocked over. And I was just like, oh no, that was a bad storm. <laughs> Do your dogs handle storms okay? Or are they terrified? <laughs> 
Uh, Gwenlian does really well. She This was her first big trip, so she did really well on the trip. Dylan, though, is afraid of thunder when it gets really stormy, and he does not like to get his feet wet when he is not exploring a creek or something. That is an exception in his mind, but he doesn't like puddles, rain, anything. So we took them out like in the like wee hours of the morning, right before it was said to get really bad. And we were out in the rain, all four of us, trying to get them to go potty. And Gwenlian was just so excited because there were people out as well trying to get their dogs to go. It was a whole saga. Oh my goodness. I felt like the silliest corgi parent ever <laughs> well the i've never had a corgi but growing up our dog hated getting his paws wet as well and so i remember my dad having to take the dog out to go to the bathroom and it had been raining he's like oh i don't want to <laughs> and it was he was just very like very fussy about all that yeah that's dylan he's a bit of a diva and i got him like a little cute raincoat with duckies on it oh <laughs> And so he will wear that. He's okay wearing it. I think he likes it. <laughs> but oh my word, corgis! Let me tell you, anything they do is just funny because they're just. <laughs> I'm still losing it over the raincoat with the duckies on it. That's so cute. Oh my god! I'll send you a video after. <laughs> yes, you you do have to show me. This is very much a Pixar. It didn't happen situation. <laughs> um. So anyway, books. Have you read anything interesting? Did you manage to read anything interesting while all the all of this was happening? I was prepared. I downloaded several audiobooks, and I am in the middle of one I started over the course of the weekend, cooping from all of the storming and whatnot. So I am currently listening to Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson, one of the queens of historical fiction. And it's narrated on audio by Jason Watkins. And he has this perfect British accent that he's able to maneuver through the different regions that the characters come from. And this is novel is set during London during the 1920s. And it's set around this like woman who has all of these clubs and it's very like under the table kind of dealing. So she's very well off, but always trying to stay ahead of the law as it were. And so the novel starts when she comes out of prison and we kind of get to know her different clubs, her children who run the different clubs. And it's a very multi-perspective novel. So the you know narrator of the audiobook has to do so many different accents. And I feel like it's such a joy to listen to, like once you get a handle on how many characters there are. But yeah, I, I feel like I... I didn't, I've only read one novel by Kate Atkinson before and it was not my favorite. So I'm really enjoying this one though. Oh, good. Yeah, I've read, I've, God, one of her, I read case histories years ago to the point where I don't remember anything about it and I would have to reread it. Yeah, but the only other book of hers that I've read was Life After Life. And oh, God, that was almost 10 years ago. Good Lord. What, what is happening to time? time? I don't yeah. even know. I mean, yeah, what, what, what even is time besides a flat circle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was, for me, I was excited because I was, well, I decided I wanted to pick an audiobook to listen to that wasn't like, oh, it's on topic for this podcast episode. It's just something that I wanted to read. But I was kind of, I because of when I, des- I decided like at the end of a workday that I wanted to do this. And so I was kind of limited by what was available to check out and download on the Libby app. So some of the stuff that I really wanted to read, I was like, ah, no, that one, that one's checked out. It's There's a wait list, wait list. But I did manage to uh, find a copy of What's Done in Darkness by Laura McHugh, uh, audiobooks narrated by Jennifer Sunbell. And I really loved Laura McHugh's book, The Weight of Blood. 
I really felt like it was it was a great read alike for when the first season of True Detective came out. And this book, I feel like, is more of the same. It's set in the Ozarks in Missouri. And the premise of the story is there's 17-year-old Sarah Beth who had who lives with her family on this isolated farm in Missouri. And her family is I mean, it's very isolated. Her family is ve- is very religious and very strict about the rules that they need to follow. And when Sarah Beth is 17, she is abducted and she's she's held captive for a week before being discovered alongside the road, except she doesn't know what happened because her captor wore a mask and kept her blindfolded the entire time. So she doesn't know where she was. She doesn't know who the person was. She doesn't know what they wanted. And after that, her family kind of treats her like she has been tainted, basically. But it does give her an opportunity to escape that that home life. And she's able to create a fresh start for herself in St. Louis until five years later, more girls begin disappearing. And one of the detectives investigating the case thinks that there may be links to her old case. And so he ropes her into this against her against her I don't know probably better judgment but he brings her in to help with the investigation to see if she remembers anything and I'm not quite halfway through yet but it's it's a short audiobook it's well I, I can't do math in my head right now but it's it was shorter than the one I was listening to before so it's maybe like maybe only seven or eight hours something like that so um but it's really, it's got a, it's very atmospheric. You really feel the like the weight of the environment in the Ozarks and the lifestyle for the people who live in the more isolated areas. And it's just yeah, really atmospheric, really evocative. It's dark, but it's really intriguing, and I am really loving it. So that's that's been my uh, go to listen on my commute. That's uh, what's done in darkness by Laura McHugh. Well, that sounds amazing. Honestly, I'm just going to go add that to my list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's had a couple of other books that have come out in between Weight of Blood and What's Done in Darkness, and I haven't read those yet. So I don't. um, But yeah, this one, this one is really, really intriguing. And yeah, that's and I'm, I'm just happy to have. Yeah, just found found a found a book that I could that I'm like, oh, I can just like listen to this and just have it be that I'm listening to it for the sake of listening. Yeah. And I'll say, listen again. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) And then really quickly, before we jump into the rest of our episode, I do want to throw out there that Book Riot has collectively authored a book called Reading the Stars, which will help you better understand how your zodiac sign shapes your reading life. And it offers book recommendations to help build on your strengths, explore areas of growth, understand your own sign, learn about others, all within the context of books. And there's going to be a giveaway for this book through October 31st. And you uh, it also comes with like a notebook and a tote bundle and all kinds of fun stuff. So we will have a link to this giveaway in the show notes. And I don't know about you, Kendra, but I when I read that this was, you know, that this was going to be a thing, I was like, I should probably pick this up because I know nothing about my <laughs> astrological sign other than I am a cancer. And that's about it. 
<laughs> well, I'm a Taurus, and uh, that is the stubborn, uh, it's an earth sign. So everyone thinks I'm good with plants, but I am definitely not. I feel like I should be as an Appalachian person, but I, I am not. But I guess also animals are part of being a Taurus. So I can imagine this book recommending that I read more things like Braiding Sweetgrass, which I would be up for. I love reading about plants. But <laughs> just not just not caring for them. Yeah, that's that's not good for the plants, honestly. It's not in their best interest. <laughs> oh my gosh. And well I was gonna say stubborn. Does that mean that you I was gonna say, are you are you not receptive to other people's book recommendations? Because I feel like that's <laughs> my my husband gets upset when he he's like, You never wanna read anyone else's books of recommendations. He think <laughs> he thinks I'm stubborn in that way. I'm definitely more of a magpie. I will definitely pick up other people's recommendations, but I am just, uh, I was not the child who could be bent by peer pressure. I always did my own thing, didn't care, uh, kind of kind of stubborn. So I guess for me, I've tried to turn it into a power for good, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm when you're talking about that, I'm like, I, I feel some Taurus energy in me too. But <laughs> when you're talking about that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, well, I don't know much about cancer. I actually don't know much about any, most of the other signs besides Leo, because that's my corgi's sign, because <laughs> of course. Uh, but I, I think this book would be great to learning not only about your sign, but like other people's signs and like maybe your partner's sign or your kid's sign, or in my case, my floofy children's signs. <laughs> Learn how to recommend better books based on your friend's astrological signs. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, if that sounds interesting to you, like I said, there is a link to a giveaway in the show notes and that'll be running through the end of October. All right. And then before we jump into the main part of our episode for realsies this time, let's go ahead and hear from our first sponsor. All right. So real quickly, if you are a longtime listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you back again. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're so excited to have you to have you join us for the first time. And we hope that you will continue to put us in your ear holes every two weeks. And like we said at the beginning of the show, we talk about mystery and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that umbrella. So if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is the part of the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. It's a really great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, whether it's a subgenre that we haven't explored or author readalikes or talking about a really big adaptation that's been released recently or some really big development in the world of true crime, anything along those lines, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about getting it all down right now. We just like to put the call out there to get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and just want to say hi, there is nothing that we enjoy more than hearing from our listeners. So if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely let us know. And you can also leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. Yeah, with that, there's not hasn't been a whole lot in the news recently. So I think we'll go ahead and jump into the main part of our episode. And I will let you take over, Kendra, because I realize I feel like I have been talking for about a month now. Your turn. 
<laughs> yeah, so this week we thought with spooky season upon us that we would talk about witchy books. And one of the things I love about themes in general is that we kind of take it in our own different directions and we interpret it in different ways, which is something I always enjoy. I also am very into witches right now, which is good because there are five gazillion witch books out there. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we are focusing on mysteries, thrillers, true crime, etc. So we have a great selection to talk to you all about today. So no matter you know what your kind of vibe in the red or dead sphere of book recommendations, there will be something for you. And yeah, I'm very excited because again, I love witch books right now. I don't, I don't know what it is. They just they hit the special spot. I think that that just that that atmospheric spot where it's very it's a perfect pick for this time of year. But it also, I mean, you can you can have some some witch books that are really scary, like Hex by Thomas Old Huvelt, which is one of the freakiest horror novels I have ever read. That book is intense. But in general, like I f- I feel like it's a good subject to like even if you're not into super creepy stuff, you can usually enjoy the spirit of spooky season with a good witch book. Like I feel like it's just kind of accessible to everyone. And yeah, you can do cozies, you can do historical nonfiction or true crime, you can do something in between. But yeah, there's just so many different flavors to pick from. Yeah, I would love to have you kick it off with your first pick because this is an author and a title that I've had on my list for a while, but I'd be very interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, so I just finished this uh, novel, I think last week during the chaos of the weather, and that is The Women Could Fly by Megan Giddings. And the audiobook is narrated by Angel Peen, who does a great job. I really enjoyed her narration. So the, the novel starts with our protagonist, a Joe, and we are in a alternate future society where this regime has decided that unmarried women must register with the government uh, if they remain unmarried by the age of 28, and they have to register as witches. And that is because a group of women in the past had powers that kind of uh, challenged the patriarchy, particularly white patriarchy. And Joe is a black woman with a mother who disappeared and was declared a witch. So she's about to turn 28. She has like a booty call kind of guy in her life, but she's not really interested in anything serious. And she's very frustrated like with just wanting to have a career and and have a life. She's kind of deciding if she wants to register with the government or if she wants to just find some guy to marry because there are services that will do that for you and like all sorts of weird things. But when she finally decides with her dad that they will declare her mother dead, and once they declare her officially dead instead of missing, her will, her mother's will comes out. And to get her inheritance from her mom, Joe has to travel to this remote island And when any woman travels, she's under surveillance and all of this sort of things, especially if she's unmarried, because the husband becomes legally responsible for the woman once they're married, apparently, in the society. Anyway, so it is like this incredibly intersectional look at patriarchal structures and how they specifically affect Black women and how Black women are more likely to be under surveillance in the society. And it's just a great commentary. It reminds me of like Octavia Butler 
meets like horror, like more on the horror side of Octavia Butler because she has like a range, you know. I don't like dystopian novels, so I was very like hesitant to read this book, but I really, really enjoyed it. And the way that witches play a role in this is really a great look at feminism, particularly Black women in feminism. Ugh, it's so good. I'm quite gushing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Dystopian novels, I'm like, mm, I could just turn on the news. Like, if we want to yeah. talk about dystopian, like, when, and especially when you were talking about how women, you know, when they travel, they're, they're being surveilled and watched and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this hits really close to home with everything that's happening yeah. about women having to travel out of state to access health care and abortion care, pregnancy care, that type of thing. And I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is, hitting a little too close for comfort but it's yeah it's so fascinating and i think i mean at this point i feel like it's impossible to have a story about witches and not have it be like an inherently feminist type of story yeah i think that's one of the things why witch books are so popular particularly with women is because there's this inherent connection between witches and feminism because a lot of witches of we will see later in some of our other picks are deemed as outside of society and that word is used to say this woman is outside of what we consider socially acceptable and so we're going to use the word witch and put that label on her and that was something that very real happened in our past as a country here in America and I feel like Megan Giddings captured a possible future in that way, like, I mean, very much like Octavia Butler did with her work. And so I just really love this book. I do own Megan Giddings first book, uh, Lakewood, and I will definitely be reading that. It's so good. So that is The Women Could Fly by Megan Giddings. And what is your first pick? Well, I was going to say, you actually gave me a really great segue into my first pick with the talk about like the historical, like, you know, the witch hunts in the, like the actual witch hunts that happened in like, you know, the 16th, 17th centuries. And my first pick is The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook, which was nominated for, I think, Best Paperback Original uh, for the Edgar Awards last, is either this year or last year. I can't remember for sure. But it was definitely nominated, and so it's been on my radar for a while. And I, one of the reasons why I was like, oh, witches would be a good topic for this week was because I had this book sitting at home, and I was like, this will give me a great, a great push to read it. It was so so good. I literally read it in a single day. Like this weekend, I slept a lot. And I think that was a combination of just work and like getting over COVID. And like when I wasn't sleeping on Saturday, I was reading this book. Like that's pretty much all I did. And so this one is set on a remote Scottish island. And it goes it goes back and forth in between perspectives and time and stuff like that. So the main part of the story where where all of the conflict is happening uh, is in 1998, and you have uh, Liv, who is a single mother. She's been commissioned to paint a mural on the inside of this 100 year old lighthouse on this Scottish island, and it's kind of she's looking at this as a fresh start for her and her daughters. She has Luna, Sapphire, and Clover. And so she brings them with her. She's taken this commission to paint the lighthouse. And she learns that the lighthouse is built above this cavern 
basically that was turned into a or that was used as a prison in the I believe in the 17th century for women accused of witchcraft. And you get bits and pieces of that part of the history sprinkled throughout uh, with like historical diaries and stuff like that. And on top of this history of witch hunting, you also have this legend of wildlings, which the people who live in the very small town believe that these wild, they're like changelings, basically, where they look exactly like your child, but there's something not quite right about them. And so to, for this town, they they believe that the wildlings live in the in the area as because it's part of a curse that was put on the area by one of the women who was burned at burned at the stake for being a witch several centuries ago. And so Liv and her daughters they kind of, they come into this this setting and they've been there maybe a month and Liv goes missing, two of her daughters go missing. Luna is the only person in the family who remains basically. And 22 years later, she's been trying to find out what happened to her family. So she was about eight or nine when this happened. And she's been trying to figure out what happened to her sisters, what happened to her mother. There are all these stories about what might've happened. And then she receives a, receives a call that her youngest sister Clover has been found and she's just over the moon. But she, when she goes to see her sister, Clover is the exact same age as she was when she disappeared 22 years ago. She's still seven years old. And Luna's going, what is going on? Oh my gosh, this is not normal. And so she's worried that Clover is a wildling, that she's not actually her sister, because how could this be possible? And so Luna has to kind of get to the truth of what happened to her family on the island, you know, 22 years ago. This book is so good. It's so atmospheric. It is like, it is such a fantastic modern gothic thriller. Like, you, you, if you want a book to kick off spooky season, this is it. Like, I've got a couple of friends who we, the three of us have very similar reading interests, and we frequently will text each other with book recommendations. I texted them a picture of this cover. I said, both of you need to go pick up this book right now because you will love it. And I described, I'm like, it's Scottish witch history and a gothic thriller and a lighthouse. And they were both like, I'm in. It, oh my gosh, like... I don't want to give away, to, I don't want to talk too much more about the plot because it is, it, it's twisty and turny and it, and it goes back and forth between the two perspectives and you have, and you know, figuring out what's happening. It's just, it's creepy, but it's not, it's not off-puttingly creepy. Like if you're not the type of reader who usually does stuff like this, does creepy novels, but you're looking for something to kind of celebrate fall and Halloween, this would be such a good book. Like this is, this is a book I could probably hand this to just about anyone and they would, they would enjoy it. I loved it to pieces. And yeah, so yeah, that's The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook. My TBR is never ending. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TB, your TBR is crying right now. I know I'm always like on Goodreads, like adding stuff as you're talking. Like, oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It, oh my gosh, yeah. I I wasn't, I didn't have low expectations going in. I just wasn't sure entirely what to expect. Oh my god, it was like compulsively readable. Like, 
yeah, I just I just kept reading. And then I was like, oh, it's not that late in the evening. I'm already two thirds of the way through the book. I guess we're finishing it tonight. <laughs> I love when that happens. It's like the best magic. Yeah, magic, which is. <sighs> so speaking of witches, my last pick is The Witches, Salem, 1692 by Stacey Schiff. And I really loved Cleopatra by Stacey Schiff. And so I picked up this book around the time when it first came out. And I was so excited for it because I'd watched some documentaries on the witch trials in Salem. And I really wanted something with more information. And that is this book. So this book is something that will give you so much detail about what happened and the different theories that have been posed by historians. So this is going to go into a lot of detail. This isn't something, you know, that will just give you the highlights. She gives you so much detail that I really, really wanted. And I think a lot of people forget, like when we talk about this, that this is essentially a true crime drama. This is girls who are pointing at random people and saying that they were witches. And obviously they're not necessarily random as Stacey Schiff will discuss, but seemingly to us on the outside hundreds of years later, like, why? Why did this happen? Why did people just randomly decide to, like, decide that random people were witches and, like, what was going on? And so I really appreciated how Schiff talks about the different theories and lays them out and is like, look, there's no such thing as an unbiased perspective on history. So let's take a look at these different ideas. And she kind of walks you through them and gives you all of that information. She does have her own opinion, which I won't say here because that is, I mean, why you read the book. (laughs) But I really appreciated it because I think it really points out how feminism and the idea of a witch are so closely connected because she points out that a lot of the women who are accused of being witches were just living on the outside or on the outer edges of society as women who lived alone, women who were widows or whatever. And she just talks about that a lot more. And for me, this is the book that helped me understand a little bit more about why the trials happened because I think we know them as a cultural touchstone, but we don't know a lot of details in generally as, you know, Americans wandering around in society. I mean, of course, unless you live in Salem or Danvers or whatever, you know, I grew up in Appalachia. I don't know. So I really appreciated this book, basically. Yeah, that one, I, God, I I started reading that one. I didn't get very far into it because like you said, it is so detailed and it just wasn't hitting the right notes for me at the time. But I, and I can't remember when I started reading it. I have visited Salem. Um, I visited Salem, I think, um, almost seven years ago at this point. But it's fascinating. And seeing it like modern Salem, but then, you know, walk like you see like the memorial to these people who actually existed and like, you know, these, these graveyards that with with graves going back to like, you know, the 1700s or whatever. It's like seeing you know, experiencing all that history kind of puts it in a new perspective. So this has been one that's that's been on my definitely try this one again at some point because I've heard nothing but great stuff about this book. Yeah, and it is, you know, close to 500 pages, including the notes. So you have all of those details and all of those sources if that's something you're interested in. And for me, I love diving into something and it's usually true crime and I just want to know all of the things And I really appreciate that about this book because there are other books, I mean, you know, literally probably hundreds of books about the witch trials, but this is from a 
feminist, more modern perspective with tons of detail and also gives you other resources to go if you want to research more. So if you are a Red or Dead listener who loves history, this this is for you, my friend. This is book is calling your name. So <laughs> um, definitely go check it out. Stacey Schiff has a new book coming out this year in October about Samuel Adams. I don't really care much about Samuel Adams, but I will read. <laughs> I will read whatever this woman writes um, because I just enjoy her her work. So um, that is Witches uh, Salem 1692 by Stacey Schiff. All right. Well, before I jump into my last pick, let me go ahead and we'll go ahead and do our second sponsor. All right. So my second pick is The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. And I have to say this book, I did not get a chance to finish, although I did read a good chunk of it while I was sitting at the doctor's office waiting for them to tell me if my lingering cough from COVID was something to worry about. Good news, it's not. And good news, I got to read a good chunk of this book. But anyway, The Year of the Witching, this is like historical dark fantasy horror kind of blend. Like it's creepy. I haven't been getting vibes that this is going to be like super intense, like knock all your clothes off kind of scary. So I'm, and again, I, like I said, I have not finished the book yet, but that's just the vibes I'm getting. So, you know, you can do with that what you will, but it's what it is reminding me of is the horror movie, The Witch that came out like in 2015, or as I call it, The Vavitch, because they make the W like it's two V's. So I just call it the Vovich. But the movie with Anya Taylor-Joy about the the family who was ostracized from town and they have to start their they have to start a little homestead basically on the edge of the woods where a an actual witch lives and she steals an infant and all of this stuff. But those are the vibes that I'm getting from this book. And it takes place in a town or a land, an area called Bethel, where the entire town is ruled by the prophet whose word is law. And so already we're getting like, you know, strong cult vibes, strong, very religious vibes, strong Margaret Atwood vibes, that type of thing. And the main character's name is Emmanuel Moore, and her existence in the community is blasphemy because her mother took up with an with an outsider of a different race, and so that cha- that transformed her family into you know into one that had been basically marked by the society. So Emmanuel does her best to you know follow the rules and, you know, obey the prophet's word and lead a life of conformity and devotion like everyone else around her. But she, of course, this is, you know, this is extremely difficult to do. The The standards placed on, on these women are nearly impossible. And she gets into trouble when she is, uh, she's taking a, one of her sheep to town to, to sell. And on the way back, no, she doesn't have a seller for the sheep. The sheep runs off into the dark wood. And that's like the one rule, you don't go into the woods, but she's got to run after and get her livestock back. But when she run, runs after him, she gets lost and she comes across what she believes are the spirits of two witches that used to live in 
the woods and stories have been told about these women and the evil that they that they created and but this encounter with them she the spirits of the of these witches give her um a diary that once belonged to her mother and so she realizes like oh my gosh like this they might be able to give me more information about her mother who died while giving birth to her and so this book is like, if you, if you can't tell from my summary, there's a lot happening here, but you just get the immediate sense when, as soon as you start reading this book, you get the, the sense of the, the weight of the expectations placed on these women. And you get the very strong charge sense of history, like with the witch trials, like that, that sense of, you know, women, you know, basically being one just you know, one misstep away from being ostracized or condemned or murdered for, you know, or, you know, branded as a witch. Like they're always, you know, they're always, it feels like they're just one step away from, from being ostracized like that. And you just get, it's, yeah, it's just this very, this dark, just kind of overwhelming sense of, you know, fear, dread, futility almost and then you have the intersections of the fact that the that the main character is black and that she is seen as an outsider already without you know without all of the the rumors that have been swirling about her mother like it's there's just so much going on but it's again so atmospheric and yeah it's just a really really interesting story and i'm really excited to continue reading it. And again, that is The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Well, that sounds fabulous. I feel like I have that book somewhere around on my TBR shelf. So I'm going to be <laughs> pulling that out. You know how you have a TBR shelf and it's like books enter but may never return? Yeah. Yeah. I When I go to like Half Price <laughs> Books or Barnes and Noble and I'm looking, I'm like, do I own this one? I can't remember. Oh my goodness. Yes. So if I'm go if I'm by myself, although usually I'm not, my husband's usually with me. Doesn't usually let me go book shopping by myself. <laughs> um, but sometimes I will text him and be like, "Do I have this book on my shelf? If I do, it would be in this exact location." <laughs> and he's so I will send him to to look for it. And he's like, "No, you don't have it." I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'm bringing it home with me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have a a um, TBR closet. So my backless TBR goes in the closet. And so I've been trying to downsize before we move. And my spouse was like, wait, didn't you get rid of like 40 books? I was like, yeah, but that was from the TBR closet. He's like, wait, wait, there's a TBR closet? (laughs) Yes, honey. Oh, my gosh. Bless. All that to say, go check that out. I really love how my TBR grows probably just as much as our listeners do. So that's a great part of this job. Yeah. But yeah, no, these, oh my gosh, like just talking about these books right now, I'm just like, oh, I want all the spooky atmospheric stuff for Halloween. Like right now, I want, I want to, I want to absorb all of it right now. I'm in such a spooky October mood right now. Yeah, same, same. Um, so yeah, like, you know, like we said, this is just the tip of the iceberg and there are so many books with a witchy bent to them that are being published right now. So if any of you have suggestions for other books that you think would fit the mold, like I've probably got three or four on my shelf already right now, but any that you've read that you've really loved, definitely let us know because I mean, they're perfect for spooky season, but let's be real. They're perfect year round. They are really. I mean, this... Arguably, this could be a spooky season all year round podcast. Oh my gosh! Don't even tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like that's that's our vibe. You know, 
like I found for spooky season, I found a door plaque thing, decoration you can hang on your front door. It is uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas hill that's a spiral, right? The Jack mm-hmm. walks up. Okay. But instead of Jack, it's a corgi on the spiral. And I was like, oh, no. this is my life. This is <laughs> the vibe. This is the vibe I need in my life. So. Wow, that is that is catering to a very specific niche group. It really is. That's why Etsy is amazing. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we are here now to talk about new books. <laughs> why don't you go ahead and give us your give us your your pick? Okay, so my mom is obsessed with cozies. So I now am out taking myself to the world of cozies and giving her recommendations because that's my job as the resident book nerd in the family. And so I am very excited, like everyone is, for Blackmail and Babinka uh, by Mia P. Manansala. And this is the incredible cozy mystery series that we all love. Um, this is the author, obviously, of Arsenic and Adobo. Um, and this time, it's about Christmas time and Shady Palms. And so uh, Lila has come you know, is there and her family shows up, including her cousin, Ronnie. Um, and he and like he left the family, like, ghosted them about 15 years ago. And so um, he recently purchased a winery and, and kind of trying to get back on his feet and, and do all those sorts of things. But the problem is, is that, you know, he, trouble kind of follows him. And that's what happens this time where he is suspected of murder. So once again, our protagonist must solve um, a crime, which is basically what a cozy is. But what I love about this series is that it includes so much food. Like, that is what I want in a cozy mystery specifically. I want cats, food, and just a warm, fuzzy feeling. And I feel like that's definitely what this series is. Mm, food. <laughs> right? Right. You know, my I took my mom into Barnes & Noble, and she was looking for more cozy mysteries. And she we realized that every fourth book had a cat on it on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the cat mysteries are very much... Not only their own thing, but like it, it's a huge cozy subgenre. Even if it's like it's focusing on something else, there is usually a cat somewhere in the story. I, I mean, I love that. I mean, and there's also one we found that was corgis as well. There's a corgi, a corgi who solves crime or something. I don't know. It was oh really cool. So, like, this is the subgenre that gives you the warm and fuzzy. So, Maybe you're not as into spooky season and you're more of the cozies. This is for you. Maybe you're into food season. That That's all seasons, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> I know. As soon as I said that, I'm like, who am I kidding? <laughs> all right. Well, my new releases pick is out on October 4th. And I have been hearing about this book from everywhere. And it's got such an amazing cover. This is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. And this book follows Liz Rocher, who is coming back to her hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And she's kind of coming back reluctantly because she is a black woman and Johnstown is a predominantly white city. But her best friend is getting married. Liz knows that also that she has grown up and matured. And so she's like, you know what? I can handle it. I'm going to be here for my friend. But on the day of the wedding, somewhere in the during the reception, The couple's daughter, Caroline, disappears, and the only thing left behind is a piece of white fabric covered in blood. And so a frantic search is begins like immediately. And Liz feels like she's the only one who notices a pattern. 
that this was a summer night, a girl gone missing, there's a party in the woods. And she remembers this girl that she went to high school with, whose name is Keisha Woodson, who's uh, who's the only other black girl in high in their high school. And Keisha walked into the woods with a mysterious man and was later found with her heart removed, which is intense. And so Liz is starting to fear that this, or she's starting to feel like that that could have been her since there are so few black women in the town. And now with Caroline missing, Liz is thinking this can't be a coincidence. So she starts to dig through the town's history. And of course, when you dig through your hometown's history, you're going to, you're going to uncover some dark secrets that you did not expect to be there. And she finds out that children have been going missing in these woods for years, all of them black, all of them girls, and nothing has been done about this. And so Liz knows that she has to find Caroline or be entirely consumed by the darkness in her hometown. I don't know if it's if this harkens back to me reading it by Stephen King as a as a high schooler, but if there's a storyline that oh yeah, by the way, children have been going missing or people have been going missing in this town for years and no one's talked about it, like that is a storyline that in, immediately I'm like I want to read this one. And yeah, this just sounds dark, creepy. And again, that cover is so gorgeous. And if that cover doesn't snag you, I mean, I just I just don't even know. But again, that is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. And that is out on October 4th. So you should be able to pick up a copy by the time you listen to this episode. I mean, I've, I've seen that cover everywhere. It's so everyone's so excited for it. I'm excited for it. Just it is the season. It is the mm-hmm. season. <laughs> yeah. I will have to put that one on hold before someone else snags it at my library. You know, it's the joy of of being, you know, a director of a library is you can just do that. <laughs> it's a cool magical yep. power, you know, at least to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You or- order for adult fiction, you get first dibs. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Red or Dead. Uh, that is our show for today. And we want to thank you all again for listening and to Jen Zink, our wonderful sound editor who always makes us sound great. And for the show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. And for more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. As always, if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra Winchester, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Mm